0: Welcome to The Next Gen Show, where it's usually my mission to share with you the stories and experiences of next generation leaders in family businesses from around the world. Now, regular listeners will know that this show is all about great conversations with next generation leaders of family-run businesses, and that's going to continue. I've got some amazing guests lined up ready to share their own stories, insights, and experiences of being in the family business. But on top of that, If the opportunity to share some useful information that might be of service to next generation leaders in their first senior management or leadership role comes up, I'll be sharing that through the podcast too. So for any business, recruitment plays a key part in its success. And one of the activities that you might have to start engaging in as a leader in the business is interviewing potential candidates. And if you've not had to do that before, that first one can be quite nerve wracking especially when you understand that this isn't just your opportunity to interview your candidate, it's also their opportunity to interview you and get an idea and a picture of what you're about as a business and whether they'd fit in. So in this 15-minute episode, Eddie Smith from Euro Projects Recruitment, who worked with a number of family-run businesses to help them recruit and build a winning team, shares with me some of his top tips for facilitating a first-class interview that gives you all the information you need to make an informed decision on whether it's the right candidate, but also leaves a massively positive impression of you and the business on your candidates that separates you from the competition. There's some great tips in here that I would have loved to have known back in the day when I was interviewing potential candidates for the family business. So without further ado, let's dive in. Okay, so I'm joined on this call by Eddie from Euro Projects Executive Search, and they help SMEs with their recruitment needs, works with a lot of family businesses. And Eddie's agreed to jump on a call today and just share with us some top tips about what to do when it comes to interviewing candidates to make sure you get the right person in the right seat to help drive the business forward. So before we get into these tips, Eddie, which I'm really looking forward to, could you just give us a bit of a summary of the work that you guys do with SMEs?
1: So we'll support an SME uh, on any key hire, really, right from the start of the process when it comes to scoping out what type of person they're looking for, what then the availability is in the market, and then helping with the sort of the marketing of the job and so putting the job spec together, but then also thinking about how we sell the job to candidates because obviously it's difficult to get candidates at the moment. If you just send the job spec out and expect candidates to come back to you, you've got no chance you've got to you've got to sell based on data actually rather than just sort of bland things so sell based on data about your company growth or whatever the best bits are about why someone should join we then go out and find people interview them shortly so it's kind of holding hands and partnering with an SME because typically they haven't got the time or the resource to to do it themselves properly.
0: Yeah. I know from previous experience that whenever there was a, a new position to fill or somebody left the business, it was just that painstaking thought of, oh, we've got to go through this whole recruitment process. Yeah. So it's a time consuming process. And we're about to jump into some top interview tips, but if listeners or watchers want to get in contact with you to find out a bit more about how you can help them, then we'll make sure that we talk about your contact details at the end of this. So Okay so with regards to the actual interview process then the the business owner or whoever takes care of that recruitment process for the business they've got some top candidates lined up to speak to and I know that you've broken the interview process down into sort of three separate components you've got the beginning the middle and the end so what are your tips for getting off to a great start in that interview from the interviewer's perspective
1: So these are very basic tips but I I always think it's good when the 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 MD or the person conducting the interview starts off by saying outlining the agenda and actually using the word agenda it makes you uh, feel in control it makes you organized and structured so that's the perception that you give to the candidate now even if you've not got much of an agenda if you say you know the agenda for today it puts you in control of the situation so it's a nice mm-hmm. kickoff I think and within that agenda then Usually you want to try and make it an informal meeting first stage so that you see what the candidate's actually like, rather than have them in interview mode when they're on the best behaviours. So you want it to be quite informal, I think, but you're going to be probing and kicking around the edges. So you explain the agenda at the start of the interview. Typically, it's, you know, what do you know about us as, as the start? We'll then outline the bits that you can't find out on the internet. So We'll then give you a bit of a, information about the company as well. Then we'll go through the CV, and then at the end, there'll be time for you to ask questions back to us. So that's the usual agenda. Yeah. And then that first question of what do you know about us, actually I've changed how I ask that now because if you ask what do you know about us, you just get – 10 minutes later, you've heard everything you know about your business, and it's not particularly insightful. So rather than asking what you know in its entirety, I've now started asking – in your research about our company, what were those sort of one or two things that really sort of mm. uh, caught your mind or what were the biggest insights when you were researching our company? And obviously you're looking for candidates that have that are inquisitive, that have done a good level of research. So we are checking them out here, but then it's a case of have they got then that extra little ability to just focusing on something that's actually interesting, insightful, growth focus, whatever it might be.
0: Yeah, I I like that. I can remember from asking that question many times, it was clear so many people had just read the bullet points off the homepage and you can't really argue, but then narrowing it down to that next level and um, really seeing if they have done their research. I I like that. That's a good way of discovering that.
1: And then once they've finished that answer, then obviously it's nice to then have a two-way conversation. So, you know, it's like, thank you for that. And then you can then sort of sell to the candidate a a little bit and say, yeah, so you're right with X, Y, and Z. We've also just won this project this is the growth plan, this is the five-year plan, so quite a forward-facing overview of the business, quite short, you know, you you don't want to be talking for too long because you want the 80-20 rule really, you want them talking 80% of the time, you 20%, so you then give them a bit of an overview of uh, of the company and where it's going, then you sort of dive into that sort of career and CV overview and there's loads of different ways of asking questions. I think it's, it's difficult to have a template and a structure for that because every job is so different. But there's a couple of things that I think are really, really useful to keep in mind. Yep. The person that you're interviewing with, because you're probably going to interview with two of you, that second person is just keeps asking the candidate to elaborate. And okay. it, you know just to elaborate is like a brilliant stock follow-up Question: Because you you always get more insight from the second question. So if you ask someone, you know they've got project management skills, they'll say a bit about project management. But you want some the next person just say, can you just elaborate on that? How many people were in the project? How long did that take? How difficult was it? What was the key challenges? You know, so just elaborate or flesh that out a little bit. So yes. before the candidate moves on, the other person in that interview, it's their job just to say, well, just before we move on, can you just elaborate on that and then dig under the surface a little bit. Nice. Yeah. So that's so that's a a key thing, and then the other one is linked to that. It's nice. You got to when you've got your list of questions, make sure there's a follow up question that again digs into more detail. So, as an example, if you asked everybody in the UK in business, "Can you use Microsoft Excel?" Everybody would say yes. So you think, right? Yes, he or she can use Excel, but actually. That doesn't give you the data that you need. Whereas, if you ask, "Can you use pivot tables or macros?" then all of a sudden, that follow-up question gets you the insight whether we've got someone that's actually good with Excel or they're like me—they're actually rubbish at Excel, but you—you you have Don't used use it. it. Yeah. So, when you're going through your list of interview questions, think about what your sort of pivot table or macro mm. question equivalent is. So, what is the follow-up question for each of those questions? because it's those ones that you'll start to dig around on and start to get some extra insights.
0: Nice. Okay, so we've set the agenda. We've found out whether they've just read the homepage or they've actually done a bit of research about the company. We've asked questions, but we've gone deeper and, and gone at a level below to find out what their real skills and ask them to elaborate. What next?
1: So obviously... the. <laughs> Some interviews meander, and there's there's loads of different ways it can go. I think it's good to leave a good amount of time at the end for what uh, questions the candidate have got for you. There's definitely a link to the you know the the good candidates are more inquisitive, okay, and they ask more good, intelligent questions. And if I was to say one of the real sort of shortcuts or hacks that in terms of recruiting and appointing into SMEs in particular is look for people that are inquisitive and ask good, intelligent questions. If somebody asks good intelligent questions, you're halfway there, aren't you? So I'd I personally look at the questions that the candidates asks us as much as the answers to the questions that they give. So leave a good amount of time to for them to ask questions. And then as I sort of conclude the interview, some of my clients ask the candidate to email them the next day with their an overview. So, you know, like you ask the candidate, can you just sort of reflect on the meeting and just pop us an email by 10 o'clock to tomorrow just with your thoughts and pros and cons and just kind of gives a bit of a feel for your take on things because it's a two-way process Ah. and it's a little test of candidates commitment some candidates won't email back they'll just disappear
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you're then going to check their written communication which often isn't done in a recruitment process but you just sort of see how they're communicating and you're just starting to assess what their attitude conviction a good candidate's going to email you in the evening and it's going to be very courteous and it's going to they're going to put some thought into it and give it a little bit of structure yeah obviously a, a rubbish candidate's going to email you past the deadline or not at all yeah. it's just an, a way of trying to assess what the candidate's attitude is like because everybody thinks that the interview is where you're assessing the candidate but it's actually either side when you're assessing the candidate it's their it's their pre-interview post-interview it's what they're like normally of how they communicate with you. Now, I can see that all the time because I'll speak to a candidate and deal with a candidate 40 times from initial conversation to job offer. You know, I'm always checking in with them and just sense checking their communication. And whereas for an employer direct, it's probably a bit more difficult to see what they're like outside of the interview because they just see them when they're on the best behavior. So, mm-hmm. there's those little nuances that you probably want to try and engineer into your process. Yeah. So that you can. See what their behaviors are like.
0: Yeah, I love that follow-up email because so often I'd have the conversation, and it was always something that other business owners resonated with, and leaders in businesses that had been involved in the recruitment process. That somebody that came across really well in the interview ended up being rubbish in the job. Somebody mm. that was rubbish in the interview ended up actually being good in the in the job. But it's those outside of the interview exercises and nuances, like you say, that are going to give you a much better indication of what they're really like. So I really love that last part, most definitely. So we've got set the agenda, go beyond sort of surface level questions and have somebody by your side that can dig deeper into the answers that the, the candidate's given. Um, we've had, give them plenty of time to ask any questions. And as you said, one of the questions I was going to ask that you actually answered before I asked was, what do you find distinguishes a you know a good candidate from a great candidate? And that is how inquisitive are they when they're asking questions? And then finally, make sure that there's some sort of follow-up process where you ask the candidate to email you with their own thoughts and what they think about the role, whether they're still interested or not before a certain deadline the next day. And that's going to give you loads of additional insight into what their attitude and their behavior and their competences really are.
1: Yeah. And I'll just get like the one final thing I'll sort of leave you with is probably as you move forward to second stage interview, a lot of my clients, they ask the candidates to put a presentation together on how you'd approach the job in the first hundred days. If I had a pound for every time that was used as a presentation title, I'd be retired. You know, is that, that's the okay. most that's the most common one. But it's a hypothetical question. So you're going to get a hypothetical answer. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't actually help assess substance. Somebody can do a brilliant first 100 days presentation. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean they can do the job. It's just they've just answered a hypothetical question well. So I like to move it towards a case study based second interview. So okay. It's like here's our context. This is what we're looking to do when, w- with regards to change management or implementing this new system or people leadership. They know about the job by second interview, and we ask candidates to do a, a one page case study or or a few slides case study on uh, a period of time that is that shares some commonality and some parallels to the situation. Okay. So you leave a little bit of room for them to misinterpret because if they if they don't quite get it, then they're not a brilliant candidate. But really, they should have spotted what's important to you and what the job's all about. They then do a punchy case study of what they've done, what the context was, what they did specifically compared to what the team did, what the achievements were, what the outcomes were, how they measured it, what lessons learned. And it separates the wheat from the chaff. A good candidate will do a really good case study. It'll be specific. There'll be numbers in there and you'll be able to say, right, I really get this this person. Now I know what we're buying. An average candidate will do a case study that is very wordy, doesn't really hit the mark. And it and and you can really drill into case study answers. So if someone says we implemented a new MRP system, you can kind of say, Well, how long did that take? And how much external resource did you have? So you can ask loads of follow up questions on a case study and really drill into things. And I think that's that's quite a good way to to assess substance at the second stage.
0: Yeah, and you you can really tell just from the way you've been talking and the tips that you've talked about how knowing what you're doing and have these in place is really going to differentiate you in terms of the quality of candidate that you bring on board and, and not having to regret bringing on board the wrong people. But I think also in these situations, there is more work for the candidate, but from a candidate's perspective, because the likelihood of them experiencing this process with any other businesses that are applying for It's pretty slim. So if they're dealing with you and you're having to email back the next day and you're having to prepare a case study, then the perception from the candidate side of things is, wow, like this is a company that is, you know, on its A game. Nobody else has asked me for any of this stuff. And when it comes down to picking between A and B, if they've got two companies that they're not sure which one to go for, it's going to put you ahead just by virtue of the fact that you've asked for for these sort of things. Yeah,
1: I agree. Good candidates like a good structure. Mm. They like to be put through the paces a little bit but they have to be engaged in the process first. You can't ask for a case study on first interview because they might just not bother because they just don't know how good a job it is yet. But once yeah. they've been in for first interview, it's a nice little sense check as well as to the level of conviction. After they've seen the, the company and the role and met the people first time round, if they really like and want the job, they're going to do the case study and they're going to put a good amount of time, effort and care into it.
0: Yeah, look If
1: they're a bit 50-50 they might not do it but if they're 50 50 they would turn the job up job down at, after second interview anyway so it's a, like a natural little screening process
0: yeah okay great stuff so there's some really good information there and I would definitely have this well every single one of those I think implemented into my own recruitment process back in the day is there anything else to add to that before we wrap up for these tips today
1: I'll probably do another session, I think, Ben, on, on sort of recruiting for, for culture and values, but we'll probably save that for another day.
0: Yeah, okay, great. And and if any listeners or viewers want to get in touch with you and the, the rest of the team at Euro Projects, Eddie, what's the best way of reaching out to you? Uh,
1: so I think probably, obviously, you can find me on LinkedIn, Edward Smith Euro Projects Recruitment. Yeah. And uh, So find me on there or, or get in contact with you, Ben, and, and do a connection and a bit of an intro. And if anybody just wants some advice of, like, just to help reduce the risk in a recruitment process, always happy to lend a hand. You know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to employ us to recruit someone for you. If you just want a bit, a few tips and just a bit of a hand de-risking it, then uh, we'll can always do that. So.
0: Yeah. Sounds like a worthwhile call. Um, and, and for all of those links, wherever this is posted in the description or, or wherever you're watching or viewing this, there'll be a link to those websites and, and social media profiles as well. So, Well, thanks very much for that, Eddie. Really appreciate you taking out some time to uh, share some some great tips with us. And uh, I'll catch you again when we do video number two on recruiting for coaches and values. It sounds like a good one.
1: Perfect. Sounds good, Ben. Thank you.
0: Okay, Eddie. See you soon. Thank you. Bye. That's a wrap for this week's episode. So a huge shout out to Eddie for sharing some brilliant tips. And if anyone wants some help with their own recruitment, I'd highly recommend reaching out to Eddie and the team at Euro Projects Recruitment. So let me ask you a question. What's the one thing that you're going to do differently in your next interview? Email me and tell me at ben.brain at nextgenbusinesscoaching.com or make a post on LinkedIn and tag me in so that I can see it. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a five-star review. Every single one really counts and it helps to spread the word and continue to grow the audience. As always, thanks for tuning in and stay tuned for the next episode, which features another amazing insight into family business as I get to pick the brains of Ben Wilson, an outstanding next generation managing director of a multi-million pound business that he and his two brothers took over from his dad over a decade ago. Successful next generation leaders aren't born, they're made. So get out there, make it happen, and I'll see you on the next episode.